You're listening to Drek FM. Well, normally a 602 Club episode would start with me saying, Hey, this is Matt, and I uh, wanted to welcome you into the 602 Club, Trek FM's local watering hole, something like that. But Norm and I are already here hanging out pre-show. We're, we're pre-gaming it. And uh, the reason we're doing that is, um, what, uh, Norm, what time is it? It is time to pick the winner of the contest. That's, that's why we're right. here. Yeah, that's why we're here. Uh, so mm-hmm. we um, we wanted to make sure that we got a chance to get together, together, yeah, together, um, so that we could pick out the winner together. Uh, because as together as together as we can. Yeah, yeah. Know, we wanted it know. to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, we, we we've established that we wanted it to do it together uh, because we're both giving things away for the six hundred two club. We're very excited about that now. Right. Before we do the actual drawing, and I have my hat here, my NX01 hat. Ruby was really kind. Uh, she said Trimp let her this hat once, and she never gave it back. But I actually have the NX01 hat here, and I put everybody's name in the hat, and you might be able to hear this. That's right. That's all the names in there. But before we do, let's run down what the winner here is going to get. One... Is a beautiful and Norm keeps showing to me on the screen here, and it's fantastic. The beautiful USS Vengeance model from Eagle Moss, and let me tell you, this is not the small Eagle Moss. This is the monster size, uh, right. and so in fact, I think that it's basically we just say it's Vengeance size. It is literally three times bigger and three times faster and three times angrier than any of the other Eagle Moss offering so it's actually quite spectacular this is one of the handful of special edition eagle moss production models that they made for this line only the jj abrams enterprise uh, the deep space nine oversize this and the klingon bird of prey and i believe the board cube are available for a higher price point so what you will be winning is an exclusive model that you can't really get without being part of the program. Which I got to say is is I'm so thankful for you doing that, Norm, for one of the listeners here. Plus, on top of that, you will get a $50 gift card to Amazon, which means you can get anything geeky you like. And on top of that, if if that's not good enough, Norm, I ramped it up and I decided that it would be great to be able to have that listener on their own supplemental to be able to talk about all their favorite geeky things. That's a fantastic idea. I love that. And the reason why I say it is because I love having new fans come on the show and expressing how much they love Star Trek or Star Wars, whatever fandom that you're in with us, because sitting down in the 602 Club and talking about that is really kind of why you started this Matthew is this is this is our forum this is our den and safe haven of being able to talk about what we love talking about on a daily basis and I think that a fan who supported you with a great review should be able to experience that with us with with the people that uh, enjoy doing it probably better than most so well I have to say that you know quoting the wonderful James Bond song Nobody does it better than the fans of the 602 Club, and you guys really stepped it up. We got some amazing reviews 
honestly, um, I was looking through today, and I just I wanted to to let you guys know where we got to. Uh, we have 48 star ratings, 37 written reviews, which is awesome. And then, as you all know, we did launch the Star Wars special feed for the 602 Club so people can just find all the Star Wars episodes in one place and make it easier for people there. And you guys have really responded to that as well. You've gone over there. We've got nine star reviews so far, and we've got seven written reviews And I have to say, Norm, I'm very proud to say this. Every single star review and or rating for either one of the feeds, all five stars. And if you read through what people have said, every once in a while, if I'm just feeling down, I'll go and read those reviews. And people have been so kind. And I really appreciate it because I know that you're taking time out of your day to do that. And I know that it's sometimes annoying to go through the process. But your words and your encouragement not only help find new listeners, but they also help the people who do the shows behind the scenes as as we work behind the mic for you guys. uh, Your kind words give us fuel to keep giving you the best content ever. And that is my goal for the 602 Club as we continue on into the next year already have amazing things planned for you guys. And uh, I hope that uh, more than anything, you'll just keep listening. Well, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And I think it's really important that that we make that connection with our listeners and those listeners have a voice and that voice can be heard through the star ratings and through our responses here on the show. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why I became part of the network here on Trek FM is because I had an opportunity to be able to express my fandom through making these ratings on iTunes and through the Babel Conference, our dedicated Facebook listeners page. But more importantly, if you feel like you want to even express yourselves that much further, and you can do so in a very important way, you can help us support the network through a program that we use here called Patreon. And that's, I kind of outlined my steps of of helping Trek FM through A1, starting to be a reviewer and starting to send in reviews and then posting on Facebook. But I wanted to take it a little bit further. I wanted to be a little bit more vocal because I love and appreciate what we do on the network. And if you ever get a chance to come behind the scenes with us through the network, through Patreon, and through some of the programs that we have there, you'll really get a a fantastic opportunity to understand what it really takes to put on a podcast. It's a very interesting very complicated and very challenging form of medium. And we do it because we love bringing all this content to you because you are fans. It's like sitting down with an immediate and instant friend talking to you about the stuff that we love. I mean, how many, how many times have you like turned and say like, you know what? I wish I could talk to somebody about Star Trek. I wish I could talk to somebody about this, that, or the other thing, something that interests you movies, James Bond, Star Wars, Firefly, Babylon five, Battlestar Galactica, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Monty Python, whatever it is, you want to be able to do that with somebody because there's nothing like having a great conversation with a drink, without a drink, with extra friends, with just somebody who you know and trust and can confide with and be yourself with and share that passion. That's that's the reason why we do this. And thank you so much, each and every one of you who put that in written form on iTunes for everybody to read because your review validates what we do. Man, I could not have said it better myself. And, uh, you know, what's been great about this is some of my best friends these days, 
uh, and just people that I get to talk to honestly every single day have come through working on Trek FM and come through the 602 Club norm. That's how we met. Mm -hmm. That's how I met John Mills, um, you know, Bruce Gibson, all of these amazing people that have come into my life. Andy, uh, these are just incredible people. John Champion. I mean, the list goes on. All the girls from Educating Geeks. The list is endless, it seems like. And all that came from this. And so before we get too long-winded... Drum roll, please. And everybody, I want you to know, Norm is looking. He, he can see that I'm not peeking. I'm not looking. Not at and, all. And uh, all right, we gotta, we're going to pick out a winner here. And the winner is Scott Gill. That's, congratulations, Scott. Yeah, congratulations to Scott. That is S-C-O-T-T. And then there, there was a space. G-I-L that's Scott Gill so Scott you're the winner I would really appreciate it we'll also of course put this on the Babel conference but uh, please contact us at trek.fm slash contact choose the show the 602 club and write me your information I'll need your address and your email address of course so that I can send you the gift card and then so Norm can send you the USS Vengeance um, really excited Scott as well we will also set up the opportunity for you to come on the 602 club and talk about your favorite geek things so everyone thank you so much for all that you do because without you it just wouldn't be possible yeah congratulations Scott and thank you for sending in your review obviously that it's so important to us as Matt said and 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 I absolutely 100% agree with with just how much support each one of these reviews gives us. And thank you for listening and continue to listen and inspire your friends to listen. If you say, hey, you know what? There's a show. What We have 20 different shows here on the network. So there's something for you. There's something for your fans and something for your friends to listen to. And this is something that it's just, you know, I'm going to steal a line from Casablanca. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, Scott. And yeah, get that information to us. We're going to send you out your goodies. You can, heck, you can post those on the Babel Conference for us, you know, once you get them. And you can make everybody jealous so they can send in a review for the next time we run one of these fantastic contests. Thanks to all the listeners for your support and thanks for writing in and helping make this review contest a huge success for Matthew and the 602 Club. Norm, everybody uh, is coming in for the show, so uh, I think uh, we should uh, get out of here. You know, I only have one request. Please don't give Ruby back the hat, because when she puts the hat back on, it hides all of those luscious ginger curls. <laughs> Will do, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. And again, uh, congratulations, Scott. Well done. And we can't wait for you to let us know how you enjoy your good stuff. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome everyone to Trek FM's local watering hole. And I am super excited to say that for episode 50. That's right. We have finally made it to episode 50. And uh, I'm... Okay, 
So you could probably go to iTunes and you'd see that we have more than 50 episodes, but we tend to do a lot of supplementals. But this is actually number 50, and I'm really excited to be here. And we're going to talk about something really fun. Before we do that, I'll let everybody know who's here to celebrate the 50th. Norm and I uh, pre-gamed it. We already gave away um, everything for our contest. But here to talk about our topic tonight, we've got some great guests. Drea, it's so good to have you back in the 602 Club. Hi, thank you for having me again. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this because I love space. Oh, she gave it away. We're going to talk about oh. the Martian. That's okay. I always I like space. You gave yeah, away I like, the title. Yeah, I did. I did. I'm just so excited. I mean, I like space too. So, um, in fact, one of the biggest episodes we ever did on the 602 Club was way back when we talked about Interstellar, and it's been one of the most popular downloads still. So, uh, you know, people like space stuff, and... You know, if we're going to talk some space stuff, I need my interstellar buddy, Darren, here with me. Darren, it's great to have you back here on the 602 to talk some more space. More space. I'm glad I'm not pigeonholed into space. So, you know, there's, well, I guess Star Wars. I guess, actually, now that I think about it, I might be. Oh, no. Well, that's all right. It's a great topic, and I'm very excited to be talking about more space and plausible space and real space. Uh, But maybe inner space. We should do an inner space. Ooh, possible space we, in yeah. our lifetime that's this is so true and that's one of the things that we will definitely get to here before we completely jump into the the movie i wanted to remind everybody of course that the 602 club is part of the trek fm network and that means you can find 20 different shows and feeds on itunes.com slash trek fm we have so much going on there for everyone we have podcasts dedicated to every single part of Star Trek. I'm, I'm really not sure there isn't a part that isn't covered right now. So if you like Star Trek, we are definitely the place for you. And then, of course, with the 602 Club and its special Star Wars feed, we have all things geeky covered as well. You can check everything out, like I said, on iTunes.com slash Trek.fm and Trek.fm. That is our website. You can see all the things that we're doing. Check us out with Twitter at Trek FM. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. If you'd like to leave us some feedback, send us some contact. Go to trek.fm slash contact. We'd love to hear your thoughts on The Martian or anything else. Maybe something you'd just like to hear us talk about on the 602 Club. You can also find us on the Babel Conference, which is the listeners-only discussion group. Just go to Facebook, type Babel into the search field, or if you go to any of the show pages at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar, it'll take you right there and you can join and Talk to all the different listeners we have here in the network about all the things that we do here on Trek FM. Now, guys, uh, like I said, uh, we are going to be talking about The Martian. And I was trying to think back about uh, about a year ago this time, a friend of mine from, from Dallas Facebook messaged me and said, Hey, I think you'd like this book. It's called The Martian. Check it out. Well, honestly, I only got around to reading it about three or so months ago. But this book has been around for a really long time. So before we even got to the movie, because the book has become such a big seller and so many people read it, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the book first. And have you guys read it? And and let's talk about kind of what our thoughts were about the book, because that's really going to color, I think, where we go into the movie. 
Oh, look, Matt Damon's oh, faces. Oh, look, we're holding up our copies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody can see it, but it's so cute. They have matchy copies. And, and obviously, this entire podcast will be heavily spoiler for the book and the movie, which are both really good. So it's totally worth it to pause this, read and watch, and then come back because it's it's such a great story. I devoured this book in about two days. I think eight eight hours... You know, it was like four hours of one day and like five hours the second day. I just could not put it down. I put it down because I had to sleep, which is something Watney doesn't do a lot of. But don't you have kids too? Like, you, you know, it didn't matter. It was all about <laughs> finding out how Watney was doing. It was, uh. I was such a good book. And not just because I needed to read it because we were going to do a podcast on it, but even more so just, yeah, I, I could not put it down. And it was, I love the format of it. It's, it's, as we were discussing, you know, on the other side of the room, it's a perpetual captain's log. It's very, it's all about Watney's logs on different souls, which I like again, technically, because it's not days because it's not earth. So a soul is basically one, you know, one time one one turn of mars is how they how they call it uh but yeah and it's just it's got tension it's got a lot of great science in it you know they definitely did their homework uh not andy andy weir yes andy weir did his homework for sure and yeah i i could not recommend this highly enough if you enjoy you know if you enjoy jurassic park if you enjoy you know just thriller kind of novels it's again. It's not super. I mean, it's like four hundred something pages, but you could read this in a week or on an, or on a single vacation, and you know it's travel size and it's great. I think I've known some people who have listened to the audio, the audio book, which they really enjoyed, and just and now a major motion picture. So there's no reason not to read The Martian. Darren, how much are you getting? You paid know, <laughs> you know, Andy and I, Andy and I went to college. No, I'm just kidding. I totally did not. But uh, no, it's. You know, you're you're wondering who's going to be the advocate of this uh, story, you know, and I think you found it. So my husband listened to the audiobook, and he's pretty particular on what he listens to. He got done, and he's like, "I know how much you like Michael Crichton, so why don't you give this a shot? Because it's a little less sciency and a little more space sciency." And I was like, "All right, yeah, I like space." Um, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll 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 pick up a copy at some point." And um, we're walking through the grocery store and he runs over and he's like look it's 40 percent off here you're getting this one and he's like puts it in the grocery cart and i was like okay um and then i started taking um a van pool group to work so i live i live like 45 minutes from where i work so it's a good long commute and um i take it two days a week and i read it in those two days in the van pool (laughs) So yeah, it's a pretty quick read. Um, and I, when I got to work, I was like, man, now I have to go to work and I can't keep reading what happens to Mark Watney. Um, and it's hard. It was too hard. I tried to like queue up the audiobook to find the right place between them. I just, it was like, this is too much work. I'll just read on the way home. So, um, yeah, but I really, I really enjoyed the book too. I liked how much science there was. So, cause I think nowadays we skim over a lot of that for the sake of, more you attract more they think you attract a greater audience by dumbing it down um but yeah i really really enjoyed it and i do i really love michael Crichton, and it reminded me a lot of his sort of work so when you say jurassic park i was like yep totally can see it or timeline or something like that so yeah Yeah, i heard someone 
when they were told like what what is it about and they said you know that scene in apollo 13 where there's like all the nerds in the back and they dump out all the stuff and they have to figure out how to make the air filter it's an entire movie like that scene basically i'm like yeah that's that's pretty true it is pretty much Apollo 13 yeah. on steroids. I mean, Apollo 13 that's to Mars. Exactly. It's Apollo 13 to Mars meets, what was it, um, Castaway? Yeah. Yeah. Right, with serious yeah. long-distance yeah. texting. So, I mean, I don't even want to know what those rates are. You know, I this will be very interesting. I think anybody who listens to the 602 Club knows I am almost always the ardent cheerleader of whatever we are talking about. But I am not a huge fan of the book. I like it, but um, all the things you mentioned about the science is what I get I get lost in, and not because it's over my head or anything like that. It's just because it's kind of that thing if you've watched Star Trek Voyager and they start techno-babbling a lot and you don't really care about the yeah. storyline because they haven't given you enough reason to care about the characters, and that's kind of... Mark Watney, to me, especially in the book is a pawn for him to move around from one problem to the next he's not really a real person like it doesn't feel like that to me in the book he is a prop for all the science and to me if you're going to write a book with a character i need to care about the character so i care whether he lives and gets through all of the different things going on and it's it's fun again it it's fun to kind of watch him get through everything and figure it out that's great i mean he sciences the out of things um but it's i he's not like like super relatable i mean he's just a wisecracking smartass all the time he nothing serious to him so i never feel like he's going to die one because i wouldn't be reading this book or watching this movie if he's really going to die so there's no real danger, and at least this is just my feelings. So I don't take this to anybody who's listening that um, that this is overarching for for everyone. Um, but that was just my feeling reading it. It's like I kind of feel like I'm watching a techno babbly episode of Star Trek where I haven't been made to care about the characters enough to really connect. So I'm like, oh, what's gonna happen to Mark? You know, um, which is kind of weird because you spend all this time with this guy alone on this planet and like you said Darren he's giving his perpetual captain's log stardate soul 95.2 I'd say like 7 eighths of yeah. the book is him making a log but you're not yeah, really true. learning anything personal about him and too like there's no real strong reason for him to get back to earth either. Like, it's not like he has a family really that he's trying to get back to like, you know, uh, kids or anything like, so there's not that, except that it's a planet that supports human life. There's just not that, that human connection though, other than just, I want to get off this planet because I don't want to die here alone. And see, I don't, I don't need that. Like I know enough wise cracking smart, mouth people in real life that I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm on board with that. And the fact that he does science the crap out of it to me already makes him like, that's very human of him. The basic human instinct to survive supersedes like anything else. I think it's just makes him so human that I don't need to know any more about him, um, to relate to him. Uh, so for me, a lot of the, and I think sometimes in movies and books, they get so wrapped up in the, 
human inner like inner relationships and you know he has a girl back home he's going home to and stuff and you know they touch on it maybe a little more in the movie I definitely agree with that um but for me sometimes that stuff's distracting so I didn't I didn't need it and I don't even think I noticed it wasn't there until you mentioned it <laughs> so yeah, for, for me I I can totally see where you're coming from but I I guess I just don't need it. No, I no. And I, me, I, I, I don't want to present like that I'm right or anybody else is wrong because what I really, no. yeah, oh, what I no, really think is, is that, you know, f- anytime I'm watching something, it's always about character and, and it's always about the story. And that's, that's a shortcoming of the book and the movie. Um, but that doesn't mean it's bad because tons of people love it it's just my personality and what I'm looking for when I go into something and so when I didn't get that I was just disappointed because if that part had been there I think I would have like been the cheerleader I would have totally loved this book in a way that I just I just don't connect with it in any emotional way and so it's like that's frustrating for me it is an interesting choice how they start the the in media res, you know, where it's like you, it's, and I like, I mean, I, I like how they start, but it is a good point where a traditional story structure would have you meeting the characters and, you know, you feel the tension build of, we know something's going to go wrong. Cause you kind of know the general idea on the back of the book or something. And then it goes wrong, but this starts with, I mean, the first log entry is after, you know, he wakes up, stranded on mars and everyone's left and and so yeah it's like well who is this guy what, what, you barely know his name let alone so i can i can definitely see that difficulty of of forming that connection but but i kind of also see it, that's how it was like for me was i just kind of was just already along for the ride you know and i and and part of me was kind of glad that he didn't have like a wife and kids at home or like a dying mother because we get that so many times and then it's all about like well I got to get home to not not to not not disappoint that's the wrong word but like that's what's driving him and it seemed like the the message they were trying to say was you know the desire and the will to survive in some insurmountable odds is such a human characteristic and I know we'll get into that that later but um, but yeah but that was a good point because I honestly I didn't even notice how little we were getting fed of Watney. It was so much, you know, oh, well, what kind of music does he not like because of what music he's forced to listen to? You know, we aren't told what music he likes, I don't think, in the entire book. You know, it's so it is very reactionary. I do I do see that. Uh, but it just, I guess because it was presented that way the entire story, it just became how we got to know this character. Well, that is one thing that Interstellar was criticized for was people didn't like the characters they thought they were kind of cold uh christopher nolan gets knocked for that in his films Mm. all of them honestly i don't see that i i think he ends up writing really good strong characters but it's this this is the movie where i feel like that's the case where it's like it's Mm. a it's a cold character because there's there's not that and i feel like the book and the movie. It's very cold on Mars. Yes, it is Matt, very cold on Mars. Um, and there's no one there to hear you scream. Um, it, the air is still Because they left. Yeah. yeah. How um, <laughs> There's enough morphine, right. though. Don't worry. Um, 
But yeah, I, I feel like if you had done the thing where you start the book or the movie with them like on the way to Mars and all that kind of stuff and set all that up, then you really do care about all the characters involved from the people back at NASA, from the people on, you know, the Aries to Mark. And there is much more of a connection. And really, you don't honestly have to change the story that much. Mark doesn't need, he doesn't have to have somebody to get home to. But just by having that connection with the relationships, um, and it doesn't even have to be love relationships. It's just, you know, the people there and all that and what it's taking to get people there. To me, that would make a just, it's a two and a half hour movie then. Um, and it's a 500-page book, but to me, that's a better story. But again, that's just me, so. Yeah, and I didn't mind, because I feel like they did that throughout the book. You maybe didn't get set up with that. But, I mean, you learn throughout the book that, like, humor is his defense mechanism. He was the per- he was selected for this, not just because he's a good botanist, but because his personality was uplifting, and he was supposed to be the person that kept the crew from getting into that, like, horrible space depression or yeah. whatever you want to call it. You know, so I, I – and, you know, he doesn't like disco. He think he acts like the Fonz in the photo. Like, I feel like you get to le- learn and, att- like, attach yourself to Mark as you read the book. Which is very you're you're totally spot on. It's very different than more, most storytelling, like Harry Potter. They tell you right from the beginning, this is the chosen child. Like first chapter, five pages in, um, and this one you're five or six chapters in before you realize like he's a botanist. Right. You know that's so, gonna be handy, especially yeah, on a planet where nothing job, grows. You can, grow your food. So. <laughs> can you imagine if he yeah. was like the I don't know like the pilot? So if you got a spaceship, I can fly it. But other than that, they already took the spaceship. So, well, you can. Well, and imagine being the crew and abandoning yeah, your pilot true. and be like, "Well, what's- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's our one. That's our Sorry. one. That's our one for there the episode. Uh, there's my one. We gotta keep R two D two will come in there and he will bleep that out for us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which R two knows a lot about is bleeping. But um, okay, so this is one thing that that Hollywood does all the time. You know. It's a best-selling book. We better turn that into a movie. I mean, it doesn't always mean that it's going to be a winner. City of Bones, anybody? I, eesh, that's, oh, the lovely bones? Yeah, well, that too. Uh, it's just, it's not, there's a lot of books that get turned into movies that either need to have been done better or should just never have been touched. I kind of wish, you know, often when thinking of like a story idea, I think, too often it's like oh it's got to be a movie well but but some stories would be much better as like a miniseries or as like a tv show uh like one of the best examples in the space genre is uh from the earth to the moon which is an incredible you know hbo series about you know the our early history of space flight and it's like i can't imagine them trying i mean they kind of did in like the right stuff like the right stuff's like the movie version of from the earth to the moon and it's it, a good movie. And it is a good movie, but it's like you just can't even get close to the amount of story and the characters and the details from 12 you know HBO episodes versus one movie. And and I think, you know, Hollywood sometimes puts itself in that movie box where it's like, well, you can't make Lord of the Rings extended editions of everything. Like you you know, we've we've shied way away from the intermission, so it's like you you're limited to this two and a half hour box 
and it's just it's there's you got to be really selective of what you put it in and and well, often, not anymore Darren because no. <laughs> you can just split that last book into two oh, movies gosh. even if you don't need to well when so, you write the Martian two I mean, not again uh that's the title <laughs> i've decided um no it needs to be the martian too oops i did it again <laughs> and then he's stuck with britney spears songs the uh that's the track that's left with him 90s pop oh, the entire time oh, day day oh, 93 geez. i'm ending it all britney's pop i can't take it anymore <laughs> andy Weir, are you listening to but, this it's brilliant no, no it's not don't do that but Andy. then the line is um bop that's my jam <laughs> But uh, but I've, I've totally forgotten my point. But that's all right. I don't think it was that good of a point. No, no. I, okay, so obviously, you know, when something is this big, it's going to get turned into a movie. And honestly, I think a lot of this book and the way that Andy does write it, it's it's got a lot of brevity to it. Um, it's fast-paced. And he's, I mean, you, you spend this time with a guy named Mark who's the only person on Mars, and he spends a lot of time talking to himself as he's recording these logs out loud. So as we talked about before the show on the other side of the drink, he's not even, we're not even in his head like, right. you know, something like Katniss in, in The Hunger Games, where he's actually just talking out loud to himself all the time because he's recording this log. So Andy's already figured out how the movie, you know, makers make this film. And honestly, I mean, you know, you read those books and you're like, oh, that's, that's, you could make a movie out of this in five seconds. And so you can understand, honestly, this actually was ready made to be made a film, I think, when you look at the book and then you like, oh, yeah, you can totally do this. But you obviously need to strike a balance. And that's what I was looking at when I saw the movie was, you know, again, we talked about seven eighths of this book is a, a mission log. And so, I'm like, well, I don't want to see a movie where literally every, you know, it's Blair Witch or Big Brother, like everything is literally him looking into a camera talking. But no, but I think they did a good balance of, you know, there's there's him just walking around doing things. It's a movie. We're seeing him, him giving his logs and then back on NASA, you know, which I think that was the other eighth of the movie or eighth of the book, you know, is, is what's going on there. How are they dealing with it? And uh, and I think they did a good job. Of I was worried that it'd be too much, you know, GoPro footage, but it wasn't. At least how I felt. Well, and in the book, a lot of his logs are him describing things he's tried. Right. So you know, in the book, Show, in don't the tell. movie, it, he, yeah, they they're showing you these things, um, and they're showing you that him doing them versus him sitting down at That's the station true. at the log at the end of the soul and being like, hey, so I tried to grow up potatoes today and I blew up the hab like. He, 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 you see him blow up the hab instead, and then he's like, Whoop, that sucks, you know? Which also helps too, because you get to see it, experience it versus having him tell you it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm, I think everybody's glad that we got to see him take freeze dried poo <laughs> and turn that into fertilizer. Um, I'm really glad that that was shown so in depth to us in the film. I, it's well done, Ridley Scott. Oh. I really appreciated that. I actually appreciate the brevity of that because that's like six <laughs> chapters so of the book. Yeah. It's him describing the smell and how it worked. And hey, when I took the rover to Pathfinder, I had to keep crapping in a bag. And you're like, that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, TMI, Mark. TMI. <sighs> Thanks for that. Yeah, one thing that's not, I don't think is mentioned in the book or the movie, but I hope so, 
did he have like a little SD card or something he put in the pocket of his suit that had these logs? Or are they literally just sitting on Mars? Because I don't think they ever covered if he brought his logs with him. I really hope he did because that would just be sad. I got the feeling like his laptop or, or something he must have taken. that He had something that he because put obviously on a USB stick or something. I mean, or there's some way that once he got in contact with NASA, he could upload them. To but he only had the NASA text upload, and they were all video. I don't know. I just they never covered it in either medium. So I was just like, that'd be really sad. You do all this. I mean, he couldn't take really anything with him. But I'm like, USB drive, micro SD, something in a pocket. Like, I hope he found a way in this fictional story. Uh, I care hey, so let's go about. to Mars and find out. <laughs> we should go. We should go check. Well, I'm sure that life will find a way, <laughs> as we learned from Jurassic Park, somehow, even on Mars. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay, for you guys transitioning from book into movie, what did you end up thinking about the movie as compared to the book and, and just as a movie in general? Because, obviously, so many people have read this book, they're comparing the two in their heads. So, um, first, how does it work compared to the book? And then just as a movie, if you hadn't read the book, do you think you still would have really connected? So my husband was really upset at the amount of science (laughs) they had to cut from the movie. Um, And I had to remind him that we want people to see the movie and point out to him that if he hadn't known that it existed in the book, would he be missing it from the movie? And he was like, well, no. So... I think it still worked and it still flowed, taking out a lot of the detail, like the six chapters of Poop Talk and, um, you know, some of the changes they made um, worked for the most part. One of the things that I, we were talking about earlier that I really kind of missed in the movie that I felt was so strong in the book was the tension back on Earth and the tension at NASA between all the bigwigs and everyone involved and like that feeling of like desperation and urgency. I just, I guess I didn't get it as strong in the movie as I wanted it. You got bits and pieces of it, like the Rich Parnell where he's like passed out in his coffee and he like falls over and all that. Like that's a pretty accurate portrayal of someone who's just to the point of exhaustion. But in the book, the PR lady who Kirsten Wig plays is supposed to just be a total, total like monster. She's just mean and and bitchy and like I, like she's that's just who she is in the book. And she's supposed to be a, you know a hard person. And in the movie, she's very kind and supportive. And it's just they made some changes to some of the characters back at NASA that didn't quite make that like the conflict there as strong as it was in the book. So I kind of missed that because I feel like that conflict and them trying to hide it from him like added this dynamic and this sort of like, ooh, feeling. And I don't think we got that as much in the movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, with Cl- Not Claire. Uh, that was Anne, Annie, the Annie, head of yeah. PR. Yeah, I thought she'd be played much more like uh, like Claire was in Jurassic World where she's just in charge. She, she knows. This felt like it was her second week on the job in the movie like yeah she was yeah. a pr person who never gave no. a pr speech uh but overall i mean yes there's some science parts that were kind of you know nest or not nestified but hollywood fied uh the windows on the hermes oh my gosh don't get me started on the windows those windows were huge that was ridiculous you would not have those giant windows but you need your shot of them in their gym that's giant 
with their lounge chairs that take up ten. No, there's okay. I'm, I'll, but yes, there were some things that bothered me, mostly on the Hermes. Uh, and but yeah, just I think that was the other big difference between the book and the movie. Again, is is that tension, like you talked about? I think the book really handled the tension well. Uh, there's a there's a, a great one of my favorite parts is they start intercutting about this piece of canvas that is eventually going to be built around the airlock which fails which is which explains why it failed you know in the movie it's just oh and the airlock failed darn you know sorry, sorry. Which, so in the book is you know you're reading and all of a sudden it, it intercuts to you know fabric piece j48 was installed on such and, such, and you're like oh what why why are they talking about this fabric like this this is going to be important and then they not talk for it for like three chapters and they'd come back and so you felt this yeah this tension building of something's going to happen and it's not going to be good and then when it does you know it's so yes i i i obviously i'm like i have no idea how you would show that uh you know on, on a movie with time i mean there's just no time but uh you know so there's the differences like that there's some of the failures that they just cut out because of time, like his rover doesn't flip, you know, in the end, I think that would have just been like, come on, like one too many, you know, problems thrown at him, which in the book is great. Cause we have, we can write as many pages as you want, but in a movie, like, okay, he just needs to get, and he has got so much work to do and we got to finish up the movie, you know, and, uh, you know, one, actually one difference in the movie, which was funny cause it's almost highlighted in the book, which almost makes me wonder that's why they did it. But in the very end, he talks about if this were a movie, everyone would have been in the airlock and that would have been high fives all around. But it didn't pan out that way. Well, in the movie, everyone is in the airlock and there are high fives all around. So uh, but but overall, I think it was a good translation, you know, from a 400, 500 page book to a two and a half hour movie. You know, I think they did a really good job keeping what they needed. Uh, I really liked the visual duality of the people down in NASA pulling out the Pathfinder and you know it responding how his was responding like that's exactly what they would do uh someone did point out though that anyone who worked on Pathfinder would probably be 80 you know by this time so that was a little off but you know whatever it's a movie you know it doesn't it's not a big deal people are living longer by okay then, okay is, is this Chekhov and McCoy he's the new like 60 <laughs> They had all that work okay. done, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I liked that part, you know, with with Pathfinder and uh, I think there was one other. One. Oh yeah, when they're drilling into the to the rovers. So yeah, just lots of great science, you know. A lot of people, you know, working together, you know. And we'll get to the the characters, you know, next. But uh, but yeah, it's. But I enjoy I enjoyed the film having seen it. I guess that was almost the the only disappointment in the movie is that because I had read the book. You know, there, and because I feel even if, well, I guess it's hard to say because I because I read the book before I saw the movie, I didn't feel that tension because I knew, you know, what was going to happen. Like when he gets in the airlock and it's like a long shot, I'm like, okay, this is where that part happens, you know. But so I don't know. It, it'd be curious to find out. People talk on the Babel conference, you know, if you just saw this movie but didn't read the book, how did it? feel tension wise because i think tension is a very core aspect of this story another big thing that they left off of the movie that kind of they sort of briefly 
addressed at the end, if you knew what it was, um, was the agreement to borrow the Tangjin, the, oh, the probe, the, the, the Chinese probe, was that that they would have a Chinese astronaut on Hermes on Ares four yeah. or five. And you see him, but it's never discussed. So it's just like, oh, the Chinese are being so nice. And you're like, uh, right. it's not exactly how that went down. But like there sort of is a quid pro quo illusion, but maybe not as much as they think there was. And it's kind of like, it's kind of this weird relationship with the Chinese from there. So that was also a little bit off for me. It's almost like you had to have read the book to sort of know what was going on with that. And they could have shot that line, but just cut it for time. I mean, that that totally sounds like something that yeah they would have put in but then like well you know we just we don't have the minute you know we just need yeah. to cut something yeah we don't have the time to talk about time darren we just don't have the time i don't think we, we should talk about crashing ships right now especially with the martian no it's... not at all um i i think with uh specifically with the chinese thing i do feel like the movie made them more heroic than they actually come across in the book because in the book they're trying to get what they can out of you know i mean it's it's much more of we'll give you this but you're going to give us this exactly it's a much more political situation and much more realistic in that sense whereas in the book they just seem very altruistic all of a sudden maybe hollywood wants our space program in in china in the china market (laughs) exactly yeah it it makes sense that's exactly what it is yeah so um, but it is very different from the book. Now, I have to say, you know, for me, usually I love the book more than I like the movie. But here I like the movie more. And I really like the movie because what it does for the character of Watney, and since so much of it's showing us, not telling us, the visuals of the toll that this is taking on him really creates that emotional feel that you don't get from the book and i like that a lot um and even just are are you talking about the emaciated butt (laughs) yeah that part but uh, (laughs) what i'm really thinking of is just the way that matt damon the way that he plays the role and like um you know when he loses the seal and loses all of his growing potatoes and he's counting and just the way that he's you can tell he's so frustrated. He's so mad at what just happened. And everything is going through his mind, but you don't need him talking to you. He's just you you feel the emotion of that moment because of the way that Matt Damon is portraying Mark Watney and it's better done than it is in the book to actually make me care about the character. And that's what I really like is that I care about the character here in the movie. Whereas I didn't really in the book, and I really appreciated that because it made me like uh, the movie more. And so all the things that they cut or whatever that you know, I'm like, that makes sense. It's it's a movie. You you can't put in every single catastrophe that was in this book because there were a lot of them. Um, and like you were saying, Darren, we're not going to make a movie with an intermission right. here, especially when. It belabors the point because we all know he's going to get home. We're not going to go to this movie and watch this dude although, die. Although reading uh, the, the book, with, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I mean, reading agree the book, I did not ever feel okay, like wait, he was going to get home. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Like, like that was a given. Y- you went to Gravity and you thought Sandra Bullock was going to die. I just, I just don't think about it. Yes. Yes. It's just. <laughs> it, it just comes yes, in. Yes, I don't let go of any possibility. 
Okay. The only that, person the I know who won't die. die is Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequels. Okay? It's the only person I know for sure he's going to make it. <laughs> hey, he's not even going to die when Vader cuts him down. He's going to become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. So, I mean, Vader loses twice. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Uh, that's uh, a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, this is, I, I do, I really, I, I think... And and this I think it's a great time to move into the characters. I think Matt Damon obviously is the best choice for this role because really Mark Watney is just his character from Goodwill Hunting, but oh wait, yeah, he's really smart and he's really sarcastic. Yep, same character on Mars. So it's, good uh, so it's come full Mars, circle for it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Goodwill Hunting on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> they did say the author Andy Weir did come out and say at some point in time his first pick for Watney was Chris Pratt, and it was before Pratt like blew up because um, I guess they've been in talks to do this for a while, and he always thought it's Chris Pratt, and I'm kind of yeah. glad it wasn't. I kind of really liked Matt Damon. Matt Damon has... And that's saying something, because I really maturity. like Chris Pratt. He's just because he's kind of done this longer. You know, I think, like, Jason yeah. Bourne, like, breaking out, like, kind of Matt Damon would not have worked as well as this. But, he, you know, plus he's been yeah. in... Sp- you know, he's already been in space. Yeah, He's been in space, so he's used to this. Someone said we should watch <laughs> Interstellar and The Martian really closely to see if it's the same spacesuit. No, it's probably when they like, try to save money and make like, the, no, same not space the same spacesuit. Um, it is interesting though because I, I think you hit on something, guys. That his him being older is important because you know if you you do Chris Pratt, he he just seems too young to be a guy that's this accomplished. And you know when you look at all of. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, you look at all those astronauts and they're people who are farther along in their career and they're astronauts because they made it that far, you know. Um, You're not getting like 20-year-old kids, 25-year-old kids, you know, being astronauts. I think what I think what you're you're meaning and what maybe I would go with Matt Damon for is the maturity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He carries the emotion in a way that an experienced actor can. Yeah, he makes a joke about boobs, and I don't instantly go to yeah. like fifteen-year-old boy. I go to like man trying to man trying to lighten his own mood because yeah. he honestly could just yeah. die here any day now. Yeah. And boobs are always funny. Uh, so apparently, <laughs> and boobs are yeah. always funny. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chris Pratt. Um, well, I mean, to, yeah, I mean, when you're about to die, it's it's a good joke to make you feel self feel better. Um, unless I guess you're a straight woman, and then you're just it's not a joke. So anyway. That's the whole other subject. Man, we are. But the characters of the Martian are a great aspect of this movie, wouldn't you say, Matt? I would. I would, Darren. So, uh, some of the other characters uh, and and their actor portrayals. What did you guys think? I mean, we've got some great actors. I mean, uh, Jeff Daniels being in the role, and I've just been watching Newsroom. It's so great to see him. I, yeah, I love Jessica Chastain and I Kristen Wiig being serious. It's it's it yeah it's unusual but she pulls out a Sean Bean in here I mean what can be better than Sean Bean in a movie uh, Sean Bean in a movie uh, I don't know. where there's a Lord of the Rings joke and he doesn't die he doesn't That's, die yeah yeah and if you've been an astronaut die, yeah. no way I'm sorry Sean you're just you're yeah. not gonna I'm like, make oh, it he's done. Sean Bean as <laughs> Sean Bean as Mark Watney oh, yeah wash my hands of that right it's away a five minute movie. <laughs> Um, I don't know, right? <laughs> He's the first astronaut to die on Mars, and then we get Mark Watney. Um, 
Uh, and uh, I cannot remember the actor's name who plays Vincent, which, by the Shit. way, it really bothers me. They changed his name. There was no reason to change his name. Change it from Van Kett. Or, was it, is uh, he, he was Indian in yeah, the Yeah, Van Kett to yeah. Vincent. Yeah. And they made him a Hindu yeah. Baptist in the movie. Well, I mean, I really like that actor. I mean, he's been in Serenity and, and a bunch of great stuff. But, oh, yeah. yeah it's, I've heard in the audiobook yeah. it, it was... When he's about to be... Black Panther. Yeah. Oh, is he so. going to be Black Panther? Oh my gosh, that's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be so good. He's awesome, and I love him. But it was supposed to be an Indian character, and they picked an African American character, and apparently that really also kind of didn't sit well with the author because he intentionally made that character Indian um, to be representative of what he felt like NASA mm. is, and they changed it, and he was like, mm. "Well, that's all gone now." But it, even so, they could have kept the name. Like, it's not going to kill you to keep the name. Um, but yeah, I thought he was... Still, Chip I thought well, he was really phenomenal. Four, um, I'm going to go with... I Don't quote me on that, but it... Let's just yes. call him the believer and move on. But there was a all, all-star cast. I mean, they were just... Yeah, from Matt Damon to... They just kept popping up. It's like, oh, there's Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier. Oh, there's, you know, Michael Pena from, who was in Ant-Man recently. You know, there's Jeff Daniels. And it's just, they just kept rolling in. It was a really good cast. Whoever played Eddie Vo or whatever is a really well-known Chinese oh, actor okay. too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. The, the I JPL love the little guys guy. holding up the sign. They were like, say no. <laughs> the, <laughs> giving him his talking and then he, I but love the, My favorite was the one just said like, no. No, no extension. No, and it's just, it's so true. It's so true. By the way, if I ever make it big, just know I totally have someone sitting on the other There's side of the cards. with all my talking yeah. points. <laughs> the, the talking points. Oh. Well, I thought it was interesting too because, you know, I just saw Fan Four Stick and, uh, you know, recently, well, not so recently, but anyway, I saw that back this summer and, you know, Kate Mara had absolutely nothing to do in that movie uh and she had a little bit more to do uh, in this um she's still i don't feel like she's getting the roles as quality as what she had in Mm. house of cards but uh it was nice to see her be a little bit more utilized in this film than where she was just really sidelined in fantastic four and an interesting random parallel uh i recently watched uh deep impact on uh Netflix or something, you know, back when we went into space and it was really real. Jeez. Uh, oh, that that movie is is so factually correct. <laughs> no. It's incredible. That and and, and Armageddon no, together. No, it's, it's like a no, no. Yeah, it's like a duo of awesome. That's the Martian was missing was him watching space. him watching these movies and just like laughing his butt off. Was Liv Tyler crying well, the, when well, the Mark Wahlberg left? Was, referring to was how in in the martian you have like you said mackenzie davis as, as mindy park the satellite coordinator where she discovers you know and then she gets promoted kind of to now she's the head satellite wrangler it, it did feel similar to the the news anchor you know in deep impact where she is that one to kind of get the story and then she becomes that human face you know for the tragedy i mean again it really has nothing to do with one another but just Something that stand out. No. <laughs> Although she did Mackenzie a good part. Park did a great oh, job she being was the great. awkward satellite. Yeah. Like just enough awkwardness that you're like, all right, I believe that you're really uncomfortable, but not so much that 
it well, becomes then, comedic. Well, <laughs> or you're like, okay, Saturday Night yeah, Live, where did you come from? Yeah, the comedic was with the stapler scene where he's all like, <laughs> who, who are you again? Yes. Yeah. Who are you again? I'm that Patty was Sanders. Awesome. I'm the head of NASA. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's just like, you're so fired, dude. You're just... You're, uh. The best part is when it's over, yeah. he just goes, <laughs> just like, get out. It's like, this this room is way above your pay grade, buddy. Just get out. And that's where we got our Lord of the Rings <laughs> yep. joke, too. So yep. that was awesome. Yeah, that was, and was, a great and that was scene, in the book, really which is great. Although I, I the, love that they keep parts from In like the that. book, yeah. And I actually, that is one of the few parts that I liked better in the movie than I did in the book. Because in the book, she's like, I can see none of you got laid in high school or college or whatever. And you're like, dude, just because I like Lord of the Rings doesn't right. mean anything, you know? It's like you take a little bit of offense to it in the book. And in this one, she's just like... Wow. Now, now I want to know is, did they cast Sean Bean solely because that joke was in the book? And they're like, you know what would be great? I mean, it doesn't really even matter, but we need to cast Sean Bean as Mitch Henderson because he's going to be in that and he and we could totally make an even bigger Lord of the Ring joke. Uh, and I'm so glad that they did. You know, I'm so glad they did. I want to believe that's real. So yeah. and so, I'm I'm given empirical. I don't want to live in a otherwise. world where they didn't decide to do that because it would. It's be a, a part of my joke. head canon. <laughs> yeah. It's a part of my head it's canon. But reality, I'm gonna you know? be Galapagal. So you know. <laughs> you mean he Galorfindel? He couldn't put it. Yeah. That's so funny. That was so funny. Uh, that was really good. How did they get? You know that scene probably had a million retakes because they probably couldn't <laughs> keep their face straight. And then Sean Bean's like, "No, it's this is how it's said." Yeah, because he knows and even, he's got to know. And even I mean, Teddy he, walks he almost in, he knows exactly yeah. <laughs> what's going on, and she's like, "Wow." I mean, Sean Bean. He, I, I know they wouldn't do it, but I, I was like, "Come on, Sean Bean, be like." Well, then I'm gonna be Boromir. I'm like, just, just, just make that last little step. But you know, I that would have been too much. It was good. That was really good. The the I have to say, you know what? I think the casting in this movie really is fantastic, and it is one of the things that makes the movie so enjoyable is that everybody really is i think on top of their game and there's nobody here who's giving you know just a a lame performance everybody's engaged and you buy everybody in their roles and that's what i really like too um and the only thing again that i just would have loved having more of is you know in the book you do get the flashbacks to them being on the planet together, oh, you know, on training. Mars together. Yeah. And it's true. It, it, and I really liked that because, you know, it, Watney has a, a good relationship with almost everybody in the crew and especially the captain. And I think I just would have loved just a little bit more uh, with that. But otherwise, I, I think it was really great. Uh, and, you know, the scenes when they're, um, you know, Michael Pena is writing him the note back is just, it's so perfect yeah. you know because he's playing it just the way that you felt like it happened in the book in their so. giant space lounge exactly i love that space lounge it's uh i i want an airy space i wonder if they call that like the hermes line you can get it's like they took box. it right yeah. out of 2001 a space odyssey literally. <laughs> it's exactly where it came from yeah but it looks great so um, I wonder if they have a special name for it, like um, the six you know, circle, the six, yeah, or you know, the circle forward or something. I don't know. I'm telling um, you, it's the Hermes line. You can get it at Pottery Barn because apparently, oh, okay, they do everything now, including kids. Star or maybe Wars they call bags. it Olympus, <laughs> you know, since it's the Aries. So um, anyway, 
one of the things that is really interesting about this movie, and obviously us being a Star Trek network, this movie is very much... I mean, geez, they could have had Jack Johnson at the end singing better together because that's exactly what this story is all about. Is And it's a very Star Trek thing about we are better together. Um, look at what we can accomplish when you put us all together in a room and we put our heads together. And I think it's... you know. It is something that is important because when you look at what space travel does and thinking about the bigness of space, it has a way of bringing, I think, people together that that might not normally do. And part of that is the fear of the unknown, but part of that is also the adventure of the unknown. And, you know, you you think about... The, the random people that would come together to go on expeditions all over the world when we were still really trying to discover our own planet and how that brought people together, space is the next thing to do that. And I really, I you know, that's, this is, again, this is for Alice because she likes it when I just have that thing, you know, like the bigger message. And that's the bigger message, you know, really of this movie. is It's not just, it's not about the ingenuity of human nature or anything like that. It's, when you put people together who wouldn't normally come together and you know they they definitely drive that home in the book and in the movie with bringing china in hmm. you know the fact that they have this that we don't and they found a way to do something that you know we hadn't and all the i mean all this stuff it's it's a really it's a good message you know and i think it's um it's very applicable in our world today well and it almost had sort of uh, it's weird. It almost had sort of that Doctor Who prequel feel where he, whenever you watch Doctor Who, he talks about humanity. He doesn't talk about the United States. He doesn't talk about Great Britain. He, you know, he talks about humanity as a whole going off and exploring space. And it sort of had that same feel like the whole of humanity working together, you can successfully do things like a rescue mission to Mars. Whereas if you don't, you get bogged down in the politics of it and the nationality of it, then you know, he never would have made it back. There's just no way. Yeah, one of my, my friends, uh, Sandra, I was talking with her f- about the, when she read the book and her favorite part of the book, which I think is literally the last page, which was cut from the... Well, I His, don't know if it's it was a tra- shot. It was a trailer instead of in the movie. Oh, is it in the trailer? It's the trailer. It is in the trailer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they didn't the include it in then, the movie. Where yeah. he's thanking everyone. Yeah, his big speech at the end. Yeah, 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 and that's just, I mean, but it would have been nice to keep that in. You know, it's just such a great, where he's just like, we as humanity, we help lost hikers, we help people in disasters with Katrina. We just, we, you know, there are, yeah, they're jerks, but they're mostly, we're a, a race of people who come to those that are in aid. And, you know, he had billions of people on Earth all rallying around him and it's true it's like i don't even want to think about how much it cost to bring him back like it was a lot of money but it was the right thing to do that was my biggest thing like maybe call me a cynic if you want but i cannot believe nasa would authorize that much money to bring one astronaut back like i want to believe it's true but there's a part of me that's like really like companies all over the world will be like oh well there's only 50 people who died in the ford pinto so we'll just leave the gas tank as is but (laughs) nasa will spend billions of dollars to go rescue one astronaut and absolutely 
nothing else and waste all their resources to do that. See, it just that every once in a while in the movie, maybe not so much in the book, but in the movie, every once in a while, I got this inkling of like, how realistic is this? Hmm. Well, and that's what I did like. I mean, there is the great scene in the movie that you reference with the book where um, you've got Mitch Henderson sitting with Teddy Sanders and they he's he's saying, look, it's a PR thing. I, I we have to do this because if we want to keep going to space, we need people to see the good in it and not see the bad. And yeah. you know, we live in a world that is so reactionary yeah. that oh well that went wrong, so we better not do that yeah. anymore. You know, um it's not worth it. It's not worth the investment. And that's kind of where we are now with our space program. We don't have a lot invested in it because nobody wants to think about the future. We're only thinking about the now and forget, you know, anything else. I mean, space is definitely the final frontier because we're pretty much locking ourselves on Earth except for, I mean, you know, we send really cool things out to Pluto and take pictures of it. And it looks real pretty, but we're not actually going out there and exploring. I mean, we haven't been to the moon in, what, 50 years? Since, uh... 72 i think yeah so i mean you know it's it's been a long time yeah. since we've been to the moon uh and it's right uh, there it's literally it's, yeah, right it's, there it's really close it's not, it's not going anywhere uh you know uh it's been in the same orbit of our planet you know and uh we could probably start colonizing we could do some really cool things there we could figure some things out we could practice for when we want to go to mars but you know eh. so it, it, yeah, the, the, what I did like about the movie was the reality of the politics involved of trying to do something this big in the first place. I mean, they're continuing to worry about, okay, yeah, the Ares can, is built to go through all these missions, but we need public interest to keep us going on these missions or they're not going to fund us. You know, like that reality was like, uh, I don't know. It, it felt like a good slap in the face to us. The 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 person, you know, that all of us in the theater. Oh yeah, maybe we should be more interested in exploring our universe. Well, if you look at, I mean, our own history with our own space race. You know, right after we got to the moon, it just public interest just totally petered off. I mean, we, who knows if it had stayed at that level, like where we would be by now in 2015. You know, it's it, probably have hoverboards and like Jaws 19 would be coming out. So proud. But yeah. And, and it's just, that's, that's a big thing with NASA though. It is how, you know, it's portrayed, how it's viewed, how much money people think they're spending. You know, it's just, for some reason it gets nickeled and dimed like, or, you know, million and thousand, like, like no other, you know, portion of our government, but uh, but that's just the nature of it. I mean, but fortunately, we've had a lot of successful things going to Mars. We had, you know, Pathfinder and, you know, like in this movie, you know, Spirit and Opportunity ran for years. I mean, way beyond their operational life. You know, Curiosity's up there now, you know, drilling, finding water and, you know, doing all sorts of fun stuff. And, and we're still going. We have like the Mars 2020 rover going back up shortly well shortly relatively in terms of space travel in terms of yeah Yeah. uh but yeah there's just there's a lot of cool stuff going on right now and i just i hope that you we get as as a 
we'll see if we can quote him. Buzz Aldrin would always say, we just need to get our ass to Mars. Yeah. Well, and, and it really did make me think, uh, you know, space is the final frontier, but there's the, the wonderful quote from Star Trek of risk is our business. That's NASA's business is the risk of space travel. And if there's one thing that I'd love to see from all of these films that have come out recently, like, you know, in the last few years, like Gravity and Interstellar and the ideas here and The Martian, it's like when you look at what's being done in this film, it's not that advanced to not think we could do that in the next 20 years if we really put our minds to it. And we get lots of great benefits from the money that we do spend at NASA. It's not wasted. You know, um, you know, you could probably go look on a bunch of different websites and see all the practical uses for things every single day that have come from NASA research and trying to get to the moon or, you know, trying to do whatever it is. So there's so much that is... And I think this kind of goes back to to our conversation that we had earlier this year about Tomorrowland. Yeah. Are we looking towards the future? Are are we hopeful? Are Did we, we going to think dreaming? about the future? Are we going to stop dreaming? Are we going to, you know, like, that's a sad thing. And I think, um, you know, lots of kids these days, they're not going to grow up and be like, I want to be an astronaut because they don't have any astronauts to be like, oh, I want to do that. You know, when I was a kid, we had those people to look up to. We had Star um, we Trek had, to inspire us. Well, and we, I mean, but I'm just thinking, like, I watched the space shuttle go up, you know, a bunch of times. And I also, li- I remember where I was when the Challenger exploded. I remember standing there with my mouth open, and it was horrible. But at the same time, that didn't deter us from continuing to go and honor those people's lives by continuing the mission. And I think we need to continue that mission. And so I hope, again, for me, that's what I hope to see with this movie, um, is that people care about space travel again and, and exploring the universe because it's not just about now. It's about what's coming next. And... Um, while worrying about what's going to come next and trying to figure that out, we're also going to benefit the now. So, I mean, it's a it's a great, you know, circular it's a great, thing. Great, big, beautiful tomorrow. So, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've I think I've heard that it's something around a dollar invested in NASA or in space comes back to about four dollars worth of innovation. That's not a word. That's value. a Disney word. Yeah, value. You know in in economy in products in in things and it's it's more than just tang i mean everyone's like oh well yeah velcro and tang it's like but there's you know there's uh, microchips there's there's mammogram technology that is used you know to detect cancer that was developed from optics that went into spacecraft like it's just it's so interconnected we're still re we're still reaping the seeds that were sown in the 60s and it's like we have to keep sowing those seeds and we're just going to have this future boom of of technology but it's going to be so interwoven that unless you point it out people are going to miss it well but i mean i think it's important too that you on a smaller scale you continue to you know, 
motivate and inspire kids and you know adults alike with this sort of thing like my dad does that here they have a local nonprofit, like they call it a club but they go out and do uh, stargazing parties at elementary schools and they do public showings every month and you know it's just important because you don't know how many discoveries are actually made by amateur astronomers that nasa gets to benefit from and if we continue to bring that interest higher than you then that that drive is instilled ever since kids are young so i think it's just one of those things where you just gotta you gotta keep doing it and you know we just it's one of those things that teeter off and it's so important that i can't believe we let it teeter off and you know yet our presidential campaigns are billions of dollars and that's a whole other story but um let's not talk about that pie chart just yeah, we're not going to bring that pie chart out, but um, but it's just you know it's a matter of priorities and and it's totally one hundred percent a PR thing, and you know maybe movies like Interstellar and The Martian will help bring space back to the forefront and just like Jurassic World brought dinosaurs back to the forefront again, you know maybe it'll re inspire some of those things that when we were all younger, um, you know, inspired us. However, the challenger did nothing for me. I was three months old. So I was say I was born <laughs> probably like a month before. Oh my gosh, I feel so old. Right <laughs> I remember Columbia though. All, I was yeah. you know, when Columbia yeah. you know, and, I, was and I remember all when I remember being so upset recently when they said that they'd launched the last shuttle yeah. for an indefinite period of time. I was like, What? And then Why? Russia raised the cost of uh, going to the space station. How about that? Imagine that. Oh, so surprise. Yeah, so I mean, I I hope movies like The Martian, even if um, it's not exactly maybe a hundred percent accurate, because we're totally overlooking the fact that there would never be a storm of that capacity on Mars. Um, that astronaut was untethered on the outside of a spaceship. That would never yeah. happen. <laughs> the, the payload opened, yeah. or that that yeah. door, that lock opened, and he wasn't you know harnessed to anything. And then but... he jumped through the spinning ring. Yeah, <laughs> untethered. Yeah, with yeah. no. Yeah, the outside of um, those oh, dear, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Yeah, but you know, maybe it was cool though. It was no, cool. it was just I was, disappointing. I was so convinced the way they filmed that that something was going to happen. Like so convinced they'd change something and something was going to happen to Beck. I was like waiting for it. I was like, oh. all right, nothing. All right. <laughs> Well, they're counting down to blowing up the airlock, and he's just like casually like, "Oh, I better put my seatbelt on." And she's like, "Brace for impact." And I'm like, "Dude, put your freaking seatbelt on! You, t- what are you doing?" <laughs> he's the he's the the wild man or the Sheesh. the cowboy of the group or whatever. I guess. Well, let's hope that uh, for our kids, the only Rocket Man that they know is Elton John. Uh, <laughs> That that's not the case. Uh, we, we really don't want that to be <laughs> where we end up. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys. You know, uh, ratings for The Martian. Where would you? Uh, where would you put this as? You know, um, Drea, ladies first, and uh, you know, you can pick this the rating Ooh. scale that we use. Ugh, no pressure. You, just be la- <laughs> you did this to me last time too, and I think I picked something ridiculous. Um, bop. Um, I'll play some disco music. I'm sure it'll pass yeah, the time very easily. I'll make some fonts. All right. <laughs> there you go. From on a scale of best happy happy days episode to fonts jumping the shark episode. Um, I'd say this is maybe not the best 
happy days episode ever but um i gotta say it was it was it was definitely a best a best of i really enjoyed it and i'm happy to see like realistic space movies that don't involve a a love affair or space drillers yeah or giant bugs like in starship troopers would you like to know more awesome She's like, no, I, 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 I would not. Movie. Yeah. I love that movie, but I'm just glad that space travel doesn't necessarily have to include giant, giant bugs. That's true. Or monoliths. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Darren? <laughs> oh, well, let's see. In my rating system, which will be based on numbers, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it, uh, I would say I'd give the book uh, 10 souls out of out of I'd say I'd give the I'd give the book nine souls out of ten and I'd give the movie Is that the Hades rating? What? Is that the Hades the ha- rating the- compared to the Ares rating? <laughs> oh the Ares rating. You know, maybe it's how many days I expect the mission to last, you know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd say I'd say, you know, book nine out of ten and movie like eight out of ten. You know, I I think uh again and or or even more to say I'm definitely going to buy it as soon as it comes out. You know, there's some movies that, you know, that I, I won't do that. I, I have a lot of movies, but, you know, it's going to go right up on my shelf next to, you know, Gravity and Interstellar and, you know, but I'll probably watch it more, you know, just to, I mean, I'm not really going to pop in Gravity and be like, you know what I want to see? I want to see Sandra Bullock <laughs> leaping between space stations because they're right next to each other. Uh, but Uh-oh. that's here, they're there. But no, it's overall... Uh, if you even have a casual love of space, you know there's no reason not to see The Martian or read the book or do both. It's uh, it it's definitely worth your time. Uh, yes, there are some aspects that could always be improved, but it he did his homework. A lot of great science, you know, a lot of fun in a dangerous kind of you know life or death situation, which is hard to come across, but. Uh, I can't see how they'd make a second book or a movie, but when uh, the Martian Two Electric Boogaloo comes out, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> uh, you know, it also yeah. just as a side note was just in that the movie was just the way they portrayed Mars was just absolutely beautiful. Like, oh yeah. If anything, just yeah. see it for the visuals. Like the visuals are pretty stellar. Well, the, in the book, it's got the little map in the front. Would you say they're interstellar? Oh, gosh. I like that you picked up on that. I was wondering if anyone would. And here I am, like pulling out, like, but in diagram. Oh, oh, you were making, you're making a joke. But in the book, it's like, oh, there's a couple craters here, and when he's like doing the travel in the in the rover, it's like the Grand Canyon's over here, and there's this giant mountain. I'm like, wow, okay, yeah, this does not do it justice. Mars is beautiful. Well, I was going to think about a rating system that involved. Like maybe from the best disco song to the worst disco song, and then I realized those two are the same. <laughs> so doesn't really help. Um, what is so that? I, I need to I, know now. I need to know what is I, the best I, slash worst. I, disco I don't song. know. I, no, they told uh, you the the best not the best disco song. He played what was it? The least hot oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was the least uh, the least yeah. horrible disco. And that's song when, she had. of course, he had the RTG in there with him, which was even funnier. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I I would say let's do out of five RTGs. That's really hot. I it yeah <laughs> exactly. So it's either flaming hot, you're dead because of the radiation. I know. Yeah, if out of five, um, 
I, I think this is a good, solid three and a half for me. Uh, it it's there's a there's oh Matt again it's that's half an RTG the, that means you broke it open I exactly I you're dead, you're dead. All all I'm die. just gonna say we're all dead. dead thanks Matt gosh sorry guys um but it, it is a, a, this I I really I like the movie a lot more than I did the book because of the character work that Matt Damon is able to do and it really does bring that emotion out and so I do I I think this is a movie that everybody should see it's it's really worth it you know I've heard actually good things about it even in 3D even though I saw it in 2D Um, but this is regardless of how you see it I think this is the kind of movie that is worth seeing because it can inspire some great things and uh, it does you know there's a go and read the book too. check it out see what you think um, this is this is good stuff, you know. And and again, what is kind of nice about this movie is it is rated PG thirteen, but it's it's not like overly crude or anything. Like there's not tons of language in it, which is great because it is something that you could feel like you could probably take, you know, older kids to and not be like, oh, what are they gonna, you know? That's great. That's the kind of movie. And again, we got a movie that it can inspire maybe kids to be like i want to go into space like that but and that's Mars. a really cool thing yeah dangerous. right yeah, not to Mars. <laughs> you've seen mission to mars. to mars it doesn't turn out well. red planet oh yeah. let's just say we've had some bad uh, mars movies leading up we have uh, dear we Lord. have but luckily this isn't one of them um I'm I'm really glad that that we got an opportunity to to talk about this and for all you guys uh, listening to the show you know that we did the contest with the reviews so I want to thank everybody again for giving us those reviews on iTunes uh, it means a lot if you're an Apple user hit that subscribe button it does really help us out and of course those star ratings and reviews they help out a lot too so continue as you're listening to the show think about it if you haven't done that go ahead give us a star rating review really appreciate it if you are not an Apple user, we here at Trek FM have you covered. You can get the shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone. And, of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from the website at trek.fm. Or you can grab the RSS link and pop that into any podcatcher and listen anywhere, anytime. I really want to thank Ken Tripp for his support of the network through Patreon and being the associate producer here on the show. It's through Patreon that listeners can support trek fm coming to you each week uh, we need your help it it does cost a lot with the bandwidth with the storage space with everything else that we use to really make this work for you guys so join the team go to patriot.com slash trek fm we've got some great perks for you we've got tons of things you can be a part of exclusive content producer credit seats in the content development team and of course you can also join the patreon roundtables as well so i hope you'll join us there Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. And, of course, like I said, we're on Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And, heck, leave us a voicemail. Look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm. Well, I, guys, thank you again. I mean, I, this was an absolute blast to, to be able to talk about and um, <laughs> so much fun. A decompression yeah, blast, ha- maybe? Yeah. Tombbuster airlock. Yeah, a little less dangerous. But um, So, Drea, tell everybody where they can find you online if they'd like to connect. And then, of course, 
let them know about Educating Geek. Sure. I am online on Twitter at PCFChick, um, and I am an associate producer for Educating Geeks. It's a podcast where geeks help geeks discover new passions. Uh, we take new topics and educate one of our own or a guest host on why we love it and, and or why maybe it doesn't have the same nostalgia to us now as it did back then. Um, it's educatinggeeks.com. Facebook, Twitter, at Educating Geeks. Um, our next podcast coming out is our Educating Geeks drinking game rules on the first season of the Doctor Who reboot. And then after that, it's slipping my mind, but I know Zelda Ocarina of Time is coming up. So if those are things you're interested oh, nice. in, that's just a little. Uh, and I believe Matthew is joining us for a Dune episode on the book, I believe. Ooh. Yes, so, we are going to be doing But Dune, have you played the board uh, game? Which, no, I've not played a board game, and I need to start the book sometime soon. <laughs> it's uh, a long book. but uh, It is a long book, but I'll, I'll get there. I'm not too worried. Um, yeah, jeez, thanks for <laughs> Yeah, so come check us out. You can get our podcast on our website at educatinggeeks.com or on Stitcher or iTunes as well. Well, Darren, uh, it's great to have you in the 602 anytime. Of course, uh, you're on a few places around the web, the interwebs. Uh, let people know where they can find you there and, of course, on the network. That's right. I host one of our network shows, Earl Grey, which is our Star Trek The Next Generation podcast, along with my co-host, Philip and Daniel. And boy, we've just we've just passed 100 episodes a couple weeks ago. Still going strong. Still plenty of topics to talk about. Uh, for a show that's been off the air for like 20 plus years. But you know, it's it's more fun than it sounds. Uh, and we hope you'll listen to us uh, every week here on Trek FM. Around the internet, they can find me on Twitter. That's the best place. That's under Twitter, under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Or on my website, which is drsci-fi.com, where they can see what other podcasts I've been on, but also check out all of my Stormtrooper charity troops as I troop around Southern California dressed as a plastic spaceman. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. and uh, Or they could even check out at drsci-fi.com my back catalog of my old podcast, The Dr. Sci-Fi Show, where I would often talk about space uh, because it is one of my loves and passions for sure. Very yes. spacey. It was like doc. It's like sci-fi yeah. dash space. You know, it was kind of a. <laughs> it was a. It was a hyphen thing. Yeah, we all like space. I mean, I'm sensing we're, a theme. I mean, the sci and sci-fi is like science. Theme. You know, not S Y F Y. I'm looking at you, sci-fi. Yeah, Siffy. Uh, I'm looking uh, at you, Siffy. Well, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can find me on that Instagram thing with the pictures and all at MRushing. You can find me <laughs> on The Orb with Christopher Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. That's our Deep Space Nine only show here on the network. And I also do Literary Treks with Dan where we talk about the books and the comics of Star Trek. We interview the authors, which is a lot of fun. So if you're kind of missing the prime universe of Star Trek, come on over to Literary Treks and let Dan and I help you find some great books to check out, some comics to check out, and some great interviews with the authors. And then I have my own personal blog at 42alifeinbetween.wordpress.com, just a place for movie reviews, book reviews, and other things like that that uh, just kind of don't fit within the Trek FM mold. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side.
But then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how. 